0: Episode 26, Into the Comic-Verse with James. Hey, we're trying something new. We're diving into different areas, different topics, different hobbies that I have and that I share with uh, friends. So if you like this and you want to see more of it, please let us know on the Facebook page or leave a review on Apple, uh, Apple Podcasts. All right? Thank you, and I hope you enjoy. <clears throat> Welcome to another episode of the Bravo Zoom Podcast. Today we're doing something a little bit different. I got an old homie of mine on. Um, He's a super nerd, despite what you, uh, if you know him or or what he might sound like. Big nerd. Biggest nerd I fucking know. Uh, Especially when it comes to comics. Um, But you know, nowadays uh, nerd shit is cool. Comic shit is cool. And we're going to talk some comic shit in relation to uh, movies. And I think it's uh, the biggest movies out there uh, when it comes to Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and what just dropped and get some background on it and get the nerd details out. Uh, We'll be talking about the Snyder Cut Justice League. So uh, let me introduce my friend James. What's up, James? What's
1: going on, Josh, and uh, everybody in podcast land?
0: Yeah, so... um, yeah, man, let, let's just get into it, man, like uh, Snyder Cut or wherever you want to start. I, I know you have a wealth of knowledge and information about this stuff, and just kind of give us your uh, your take on, you know, maybe not just the Snyder Cut, but, like, comic movies in general, because it is huge. I mean, if you're a movie star, I think where you want to land is some kind of uh, reoccurring role in a comic movie, right?
1: Yeah, so actually, before we get started... uh Thanks for the warm introduction and, you know, kind of hyping me up. So with all that, I want to give everybody my comic book cred, we'll say. Yeah. Because everybody knows what I'm talking about here. So, uh, yeah. So I've kind of been reading comic books my whole life, right? So I'll be 43 this year. So what that means is uh, pretty much since preschool and elementary, I've been uh, in the comic book game. So I was there in the 80s, you know, and uh, went through the 90s, the comic book boom, then the collapse of the industry came, you know, stayed strong through the 2000s and uh, all the way to today. So I think a, uh, you know, kind of have a pretty good perspective on how things have gone and how the big shift, kind of like Josh said, they're kind of like the biggest thing going right now. You know, I remember being a kid and uh, having to hide my comic book, <laughs> <family>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it not being cool to be the black kid that read comic books, but, you know. I maintain, and it is what it is, so yeah. <laughs> now we're here, started from the bottom, now we're here, you know yeah,
0: for sure, so, you know, like like a uh, Snyder Cut just came out it was pretty badass, I thought
1: oh, yeah, I mean if anyone's seen the original theatrical cut, so we'll you know, differentiate the two by saying the theatrical cut, the one that everybody saw, or I should say that went to the movie theaters, and then the one that just came out, obviously the Snyder Cut, right so, if you watch the theatrical cut and the Snyder Cut, there's just no comparison. It's it, it just, it's, it's almost a different movie. Yeah. And, you know, it's, uh, even for the lay person, meaning someone who's not really into comic books and, you know, can, you know, spot the details of this, that, or whatever, just as a general movie, it was just a better experience, just all the way around.
0: Yeah. You know, I, I watched it, oh, I watched half of it with uh, Nikki. And I finished it with how her and I kind of got in trouble about it. But, uh, you know, even her who who over the last 10 years through the Marvel universe, she has started piecing it all together like most fans. Right. And realizing that everything is is connected somehow. So Snyder Cut was supposed to launch the D.C.U. D.C.E.U. a lot better than the theatrical cut. cut right.
1: Well, actually, uh, you know, when we look at these comic book movies, you know, today, right, we all kind of look at them through the lens of, you know, Marvel. Yeah. That's kind of been like the standard that the average person looks at this stuff as. Um, so kind of talking about the the whole multiverse that, you know, was supposed to go on, we have to kind of bring it back a little bit. So, you know, right out the gate, going back to, you know, the, the late 70s, I want to say '78 the first superman movie with christopher reeves you know dc got out the gate way before marvel did as far as movies yeah and uh you know that was a hit i mean obviously you know money is different and things like that but just it was a hit basically and that spawned you know several sequels and uh you know that kind of got things going and then you hit you know batman 89 which was If you were around in '89, you know that was the biggest thing that year. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a billboard with the bat symbol and you know all this other stuff going on. So, you know, Marvel was looking at this, saying, "Well, hey, we've got good characters. Why can't we get some of this good box office money?" Right. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) the early Marvel features, we'll say, we're we're lacking, right?
0: And what were the early ones before Iron Man? Right.
1: Oh man, you're talking like in the late '80s, early '90s. So you're talking about. J.D. Salinger's Captain America, which you can, everybody can look up online. It, it was a hot mess. <laughs> you know, uh, Roger Corman's Fantastic Four, I think from 1994, that was a hot mess. Uh, but, you know, Marvel had a decent presence on TV with, you know, Incredible Hulk TV series with Bill Bixby. Uh, the Actually, 1978 Spider-Man show, I think was like a, a last for like one season. So that, you know, had a little bit of flavor that was somewhat out there. But just generally speaking you know, DC is actually older than Marvel and, you know, without going all the details, right. You know, the, the, the big three, you know, your Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, those characters are pretty much iconic, right? So the average person would know those a lot better than the average person would, or, you know, pre MCU, you know, Iron Man Mm -hmm. and Captain America. Yeah. So, uh, You know, Wonder Woman show back in the 70s, and there actually was a Shazam show, and you know, the Super Friends cartoon, which predated you know, Spider Man and his amazing friends by probably at least 10 years. So, all this stuff has been going on, right? So, again, fast forward up to kind of more modern times. So, once Marvel kind of looked at things, they said, Hey, we want some of this money, they started pumping out these kind of low budget movies that weren't well received and then, you know, kind of TV movies. A funny little note, there was even a, a Nick Fury movie <laughs> oh, wow. with, uh, with the Hoff starring as uh, <laughs> Nick Fury, which needless to say was not the best, we'll say. <laughs> so really, the kind of renaissance came with Blade in 1998. That was kind of the introduction to the okay. modern kind of movie, comic book movie, we'll say, because kind of like video game movies today. No one really wanted to put a lot of money into them. No one really respected the the source material, and you know it didn't attract A-list acting talent. Mm-hmm. So with Blade, you know that kind of opened the door. And then you know right after that came you know the X Men in two thousand, <clears throat> which as you can see had. Pretty star-studded cast for the time, I and mean, you know Patrick Stewart, mm-hmm. and, you know Halle Berry was kind of like at her apex, so to get her to star in a comic book movie was like a coup for them. And then you know several other actors, you know Sir Ian McKellen. I mean, you know critical, critically acclaimed actors. And then after that, everybody kind of knows what happened, and you know the shift kind of was made, you know, to those being kind of acceptable mainstream movies, right? So. During the 90s, like I said before in my intro, uh, you know, the 90s was a big boom for the comic book industry, like late 80s, early 90s. So what what did I mean by that? So that was a big time where the basically the artists almost became bigger than the comics. And then, you know, anytime a a niche industry kind of gets a little buzz going around it, you start getting people coming in that really aren't interested in the art form. And they just want to get in and try to you know, make a quick buck. Right? Yeah. So all these yeah. speculators came in and uh, an industry that, you know, was making money, but, you know, again, wasn't, wasn't, you know, super corporate. Yeah. You know, came in and. Is that like to, the know,
0: Frank Miller uh, time frame? I know that name. I- I'm not real familiar with others, but I know that's a huge name, right?
1: Well, yeah, he's a huge name in the comic industry, but Frank Miller kind of came out in the mid 80s so like okay so a little bit before okay yeah so he he actually did the dark knight returns and then Watchmen came right behind that right and that kind of changed the view on the comic book medium because you know comic books have been around since the late 30s right but they're always kind of looked down upon Mm -hmm. so again comic books are just a medium So within that medium, you can have, you know, the capes and tights, which is the generic stuff that everybody knows, like the superheroes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have basically you can talk about anything you want in the in that medium. Right. Right. So those two works really like shifted, you know, the opinion on comic books and how people look at them. So, you know, Watchmen, like in particular, Mm -hmm. was taught, you know, in colleges. And if you've ever read that work, the original work, it's it's still mind blowing that someone could even think of that today. And, uh, Alan Moore who did that, he, uh, actually, you know, did American gods and a bunch of other stuff. He's a great, great writer. Okay. So like I said, you know, the comic books boom happened in the early nineties. And what we're talking about is, you know, X-Men number one, uh, X-Force kind of like that whole wave. So you're talking about people like Rob Liefeld, Jim Lee, uh, Eric Larson, the whole image movement. So a lot of these creator owned uh, you know entities and stuff came about. So basically a lot of the the young up and coming talent said, you know what, hey, we work for Marvel and this is a dream job, but we don't have any control over our content. And you know, content control now is the buzzword that everybody knows about today. But mm-hmm. you think about yeah. the early nineties, that just wasn't the case. So, you know, all that stuff happened and the big boom. So basically that talent dream. Kind of led some down years for Marvel, and Marvel ended up selling off the rights to their characters to a lot of uh, you know companies, you know movie different movie studios and stuff like this. So basically, they didn't have control of those characters in that media. At the time, it was just something they had to do to kind of keep afloat, right? But and they didn't have the the foresight to say, okay, ten years, fifteen years from now, we we need these characters. And, of course, the A-list characters at the time got gobbled up. So that's why the X-Men ended up at Fox and Mm -hmm. Spider-Man ended up at Sony and all this other stuff. So basically when it came time for the MCU to really, really kick off, even though there were Marvel movies, like I said, like the X-Men, which was technically at Fox, Blade was kind of just out there with New Line Cinema. They didn't have their big guns. So as crazy as it sounds now, Captain America, Iron Man, the Hulk, they weren't really A list characters. Yeah. And by, by A list, I mean their books weren't the highest sellers. Your Spider Man and X Men are always the highest sellers at Marvel. So they had to make it work. And me, you know, being a combo guy, <laughs> they weren't really any you know, of my favorites. My favorite is X Men. So I didn't know how they were going to make this stuff work because some of that material is hard to kind of make relevant, right? And, and kind of show off. So, you know, you need to say, 10 years later we're here and you know they made it work and now they've got a functioning you know basically multiverse and kind of like you know dominate that whole comic book movie medium so with all that being said now it flipped to dc trying to play catch up. now they had the nolan verse which is you know the batman movies which are you know critically acclaimed yeah people liked it yeah those
0: are great that trilogy's fucking
1: awesome loved it loved it but the thing is, Christopher Nolan is a movie auteur. Meaning mean, he, he never really kind of stays in one lane. He kind of does his thing and then gets out. If you look at his history, you know, without going into all that, he he wasn't long for the, for the comic book genre. And he's said he was never going back after that experience. He did it, done it, he's out. Uh, and if you look at some of the other DC movies outside of that, then you can kind of see the poo-poo platter that it was, for example, Catwoman with Halle Berry, that, yeah. Yeah, we'll, that's forgetful. We'll, 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 we'll move past that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Green Lantern from 2011 was run Ryan, Ryan right. Reynolds. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll move past that
0: too. We saw, we saw Deadpool kill him, kill himself off <laughs> in that yeah, one. <laughs> right.
1: So, Basically say that, you know, DC, you know, in the movie world was kind of sucking at life. Right. So they're sitting, They're sitting over here looking at Marvel, like, well, Hey, we have characters just as good, if not better, and even more iconic than the Marvel characters. Why can't we get some of that good money? So, you know, they, uh, kind of got, you know, involved with Zack Snyder and, uh, we're trying to get their the universe off the ground, but as we can see, uh, <laughs> they hit some bumps along the way. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. What, what, I mean, obviously you, you don't have an inside track, I don't think, but like, what were those bumps? Why did we go from Zack Snyder's, you know, vision? Cause some of these people have like a whole vision. Like you could say Kevin Feige has a vision and that's, what's making Marvel work. And Zack Snyder had a vision from everything I've seen, you know, in, in the aftershoots and, and, you know, all the YouTube channels talking about it afterwards and stuff. And he had it mapped out. It seemed like of what he wanted to do with justice league. And then all the films coming afterwards. And then they switched up and they went to Joss Whedon, who is also a great, uh, director or whatever. Right. And and has done great things. Um, but it's like, he, he, it just did not work out with this movie. The theatrical version.
1: Yeah, that's a it's kind of a kind of a a, a deep question there because there was a lot of we'll say shenanigans that happened. So I think it's kind of best to start with Zack Snyder himself, right? So Zack Snyder is kind of a divisive director. Now, a lot of directors, you watch a movie they direct and you're like, okay, whatever that movie happened, right? But kind of like we were talking about Christopher Nolan before. The standout directors have, I guess you could say, a vision or like a style is a better way to say it, right? Yeah, yeah. So when you see their movies, you can say, "Oh, that's a Christopher Nolan movie," whether he's doing Dunkirk or mm. Batman, you can just tell that's his style—the way he shoots it, the you know, pacing, dialogue, all that kind of stuff. So Zack Snyder kind of has a style, right? If you look at Three Hundred. You look at Watchmen. You look at uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yep, yep. He has a style. It's definitive. You can just spot it, right? Now, obviously, everything is not for everybody, right? So some people love it. Some people don't enjoy it. Now, when you say DC proper, that's like I said before, kind of like, you know, comic books are just the medium and there's a lot of stuff. You know, inside of that. So Zack Snyder actually wasn't new to DC when he started doing like the you know, the cage and tight stuff. You know, 300 was a graphic novel up under DC. Same thing with Watchmen, right? So he had experience with them, and that's kind of how they tapped him off his, you know, relationship going through those movies. And, uh, you know, they were impressed with his work enough to, you know, bring him on board and kind of, it, it, it was never officially. He was never officially designated, but he kinda was since he was the first one out the gate and he was going to be setting the tone for DC, kind of like their their guru for their universe, basically, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, when you you have to know when you hire somebody who has a distinct vision, or you know, really anybody, right? I would assume that as a corporate, you know, entity, you would do your research and understand who you're hiring. Right. Yeah. And I would think you know I would think you would hire them based off your appreciation for their work and their style. So you know they uh, got was Zack Snyder and he, like you said, kind of had a vision. Right. He and his vision originally was five movies, meaning a Man of Steel, a Man of Steel sequel, which kind of morphed into BBS, a Justice League movie, and then two sequels, a Part Two and a Part Three. That was going to be his vision and that vision was going to be the the structure or the skeleton for the rest of their universe because if you look at these movies there's a lot of world building and then a lot of yeah. you know obviously cameos from different characters in there and a bunch of stuff so uh <laughs> after that it gets a little little curry cray, we'll say so uh, i mean you have everything from you know Zack snyder and his wife uh their daughter tragically dying uh To a bunch of corporate suits, you know, interfering and doing a bunch of shenanigans. uh, You know, executives at Warner Brothers who own DC and the movie rights to the DC uh, universe uh, wanted to get bonuses. So, bonuses being triggered by, you know, certain milestones, we'll say, uh, to, you know, Joss Whedon being brought in to basically rewrite. Justice League and basically kind of make it you know Marvel 2.0 so just a lot of shenanigans you know happened and uh kind of bastardized his vision and we ended up with uh, what we got in theaters.
0: So let's take it to those uh, uh a slight comparison or or dive into that a little bit between theatrical Justice League and the Snyder cut. Right. I'm looking at I got pulled up like all of Zack Snyder's movies and you know um Wonder Woman Man, Man of Steel. Like you said, you you just mentioned Watchmen. 300. 300 is like one of the a great movie for all the meatheads out there, right? They all think they're Spartans. Uh, <laughs> Watchmen is just like an amazing movie. So with so much depth and complexity, and the storytelling of that is just fucking nuts. I love that movie. I I, I really do. Um, what's funny is Nikki hates the uh, the lady that that's in that that plays um what's her name the The yellow lady, uh, the
1: daughter or the mother, the daughter, the The daughter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, she hates her. She's like in every movie she's in, she's fucking somebody, and it's kind of true.
1: But uh, (laughs) (laughs) well, she she's funny in uh, and what's the movie? Uh, her and uh, Tom Cruise that rock one. No, no, Vincent, Vincent Vaughn, uh, where they went on a uh, retreat She's yeah,
0: yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 that one, yep. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, Wonder Woman, Man of Steel was, like, to launch a new Superman, you know, Man of Steel, and that's now in 2013 – it's so old. It's like, why haven't we had another man of steel? Why haven't we had that? And I'm not talking about Batman V Superman, right? I'm just like another man of steel because Henry Cavill, we're wasting and we, but you know, they're wasting that talent as Superman. You know what I mean? But anyway, yeah, to this for sure. Yeah. So to the Snyder cut thing, like you, like you said, Marvel 2.0 is what they went for. Are, are they just trying to hit the wrong demographic? Right? Like, are the obviously Disney they they're made they're like cool we're making money off of this um this movie but you know we're really gonna make money off of toys right merch is that what DC do you think that's what DC thought We're like hey you know let's make more money and we need to make it more cartoony more family friendly
1: <laughs> well that's that's kind of a big question right? So a lot of this stuff has been written about and, you know, we're not going to have enough time here to kind of go over every, you know, nook and cranny and stuff. So, you know, everybody out there in podcast land, you guys can look this stuff up and see all the details of the shenanigans that happened. But basically, uh, you know, like I said, you know, DC was kind of ahead for a while then Marvel, as you know, just took off. Right. So, you know, back in the day or when the MCU kind of first took off, the comic books led the movies obviously because that's where they got the source material from. Right. Yeah. But as time went on and you know, the movies became more popular, the movies ended up leading the comic books. So that's why you'll see mm. now a lot of the character design in the comic books and some of the storylines are plucked right from the movies instead of vice versa. So, you know, as you know, DC looked at Marvel becoming increasingly popular, they were like, well, hey, again, the movies lead into merchandising and selling toys. Just a, just a bunch of all that other, you know, ancillary stuff that, again, if you have a successful movie universe, it should come naturally, right? So, after Man of Steel, which, you know, in my humble opinion, is the best Superman movie I've ever seen, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that was the beginning of their quote unquote new universe. So. Again, Zack Snyder is uh, somewhat divisive. Again, people either love him or hate him. I never really seen a lot of people kind of in the middle on him. Mm-hmm. So some of the feedback they got from that, I guess, kind of made them get a little shaky. I guess, and then leading into uh, what was supposed to be a Man of Steel two, you know, the corporate overlords at WB stuck their little fingers into the pot, and that's how you got BBS. Like I said. His original vision was that Batman was not going to be in Man of, Steel's, in Man of Steel 2. So if you look at BBS, all it is is just a setup for the Justice League. Yeah, And you lose a lot of the momentum, we'll say, that they had coming off Superman. It's trying to develop Superman as a core character. Because Superman was going to be their, I guess, version of Iron Man. Because Iron Man is kind of like the through character through the DC movies, right? Yeah. I mean, excuse me, the Marvel movies. And uh, like you said, Henry Cavill. When you look at movies, not only do you have to look at the characters and you know the the you know the IP, you have to look at the real world impact of it, right? So look at the actors. These actors have a certain age range that you can maintain this stuff, right? Yeah. Yep. You can only look like Henry Cavill does for certain, for so for so long before you get burned out. For example, Hugh Jackman. I mean, come on, you can only do that for so long, right? Yeah. Yeah. So usually when they sign these actors. If you look at them, you'll say, well, hey, they're usually, you know, late 20s, early 30s or whatever. So these guys can get, you know, they inked usually multiple picture deals at the beginning of their movies, where they're, you know, and that's before they get sequels, just so they it's basically like a cost control, right? So you amortize that initial cost across, you know, the rest of the sequels and it works out for everybody. They have a secure job for the actor for several years, and you know, this cost control, like I said, for the company. So you know, Henry Cavill was one of the hottest names around. You know, when he was cast as Superman, because he actually was in the running with Daniel Craig to be the new James Bond. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they they picked Daniel Craig, but again, Henry Cavill was was hot, right? So, you know, they put out Man of Steel, like I said, and it was a little divisive. Some people, you know, kind of complained that you know Superman shouldn't kill anybody and blah 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 blah, but Again, if you watch the movie and kind of look at the context of stuff, you know, Superman was Superman for like a day before, you know, his equal showed up and actually his better because they were actually trained soldiers, really. So we kind of know how that ended. But like I said, you know, Zack Snyder's original vision for Man of Steel 2 was never to put Batman in there. Batman was going to be introduced in the Justice League. So corporate overlords won. They threw together BVS, and we got the crap that we did. And and technically, if you look at the ultimate cut of BVS, that's still a lot better than the theatrical cut. Because you know when you look at a theatrical release, you have to hit certain time milestones too. We had to condense the movie down. So kind of like with you know the Snyder cut, no one's gonna sit in a the movie theater for four hours. It's just not gonna happen. It's not yeah that was a long It's life. not feasible. So, you know, Snyder had to cut out a lot of the the context of, again, BBS. So, like I said, you look at the ultimate cut, it's a lot better. Now, was the movie still what I wanted? No, but it still could have been even better. You can see kind of like that was the beginning of the interference that was going to happen, right? Okay. So, you lead up to, you know, Justice League coming off, you know, the, the divisiveness of Superman, Man of Steel, uh, you know, BBS and then the, the business <laughs> that uh, we will say uh, some of the other decisions that DC was kind of making, we'll say, uh, like I said, you guys can research the rest of all that stuff. So basically they got kind of nervous and were like, hey, maybe this isn't Marvel enough. Right. Because in their minds, they should make a billion dollars. And that's kind of like the new benchmark for these superhero movies for these yeah. tentpole movies is if they don't make a billion dollars it's a failure and why do they say that well number one these movies cost 150 to 250 million dollars and usually to make a profit they have to at least make three times their budget because then you're not only looking at the cost of the movie you're looking at you know advertising and you know salaries and all this other stuff so they damn near almost have to make a billion dollars just to make some kind of profit, you know, to be considered a success. So when those movies didn't hit that milestone and the corporate head says, Hey, well, we've got Batman, we've got Superman. How do we not have a billion dollars? And oh, by the way, the Nolan movies just had Batman and they made a billion dollars. So Bean counters suits get together and do what they do. And, uh, like said they got a little uh, cold feet there, and then the tragedy with you know Zack Snyder's daughter. That kind of just was a nail in the coffin. And uh, you know, once he left to kind of deal with his family issues, yeah, you know, you know, movies don't stop right. There's, there's a clock because you know you talk about locations and mm-hmm. you know renting this that or whatever. And these actors have schedules that they had to have stuff by, so none of that stuff stops. The clock doesn't stop on that stuff. So. They called in Joss Whedon. And, uh, you know, when Joss Whedon came in, corporate overlords uh, had their ideas and basically told him to finish the movie using, you know, our notes. And, uh, you know, you get what you get. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, Joss Whedon was kind of deemed a hero in the uh, comic book world, comic book movie world, because, you know, he had, you know, directed Avengers and uh, Age of Ultron, plus his history going back to, you know, television with Buffy and Angel and all this other stuff. So Firefly, right? Of, yeah. Yep. So he'd been around a bunch of stuff. And people thought that he would, you know, kind of make it work. But, you know, that uh, <laughs> obviously didn't happen. And then, you know, years later, we're finding out that he uh, had some skeletons in his closet that have uh, kind of come up and uh, shed some light on some of these other things that were going on, but his, uh, there's some allegations against him. Again, you guys can look that stuff up and uh, you know, some of the Ray Fisher stuff that's going on right now. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so, so going into, I guess we can, cause we, we, we have the movies we have. And from what yeah. I've seen, we're still not going to get any kind of the Snyder cut, uh, or Snyder universe unless a lot of noise unless it's just too overpowering where Warner Brothers is going to have to be like shit we have to do we have to get Snyder back in control and he we got to let him finish his thing because this has actually made the money that we're we're seeking right because at, at the end of the day like you said it's all about that money um, where do you see it going and, and you know if you had that magic wand where would you Have it go.
1: Wow. uh, Well, you know, my heart says I want the Snyderverse, but my head says it's probably not going to happen. And just, you know, just looking at the industry and the reality of, uh, you know, movies. You know, so we're in this pandemic and uh, slowly trying to recover, right? But no one knows when we're actually going to be back 100%. And kind of like i said before the budget for all these movies you know just the quote-unquote reshoots and kind of everything that was needed to be done for the snyder cut there's been estimates that it was like 75 to 100 million dollars on top of the original 150 that it cost to put out the theatrical cut so you're looking at a almost 200 300 million dollar movie right now to recoup those law lo- or those costs and actually make a profit. Like we said, the benchmark would just do like a billion dollars. Now, unless you open up the theaters 100, percent there's really no way to recoup that because we all know that streaming—the whole point of putting this stuff on a on a service like that—is to try to get subscribers. Yeah. So, what's the first thing everybody does? Share a password now, right? Yeah. You know. So, and then even though the movie theaters are open to a you know certain percentage of people, it's still not where it needs to be. And oh, by the way you know, overseas box office has actually eclipsed, you know, domestic box office. So, you know, usually that means China. Yeah. So China's not open all the way, South America, Europe. So who can really justify putting out that kind of cause for another movie at this, you know, point in time? Because you have to lock in actors, salaries, and just all the logistics of that, right? So... Just that alone, you're probably talking about a few years at most before you get another "quote unquote" Snyderverse movie. Because if you've seen the Snyder cut, you know that the cost is only going to escalate. Because what he's talking about doing, you're talking about going to space. Uh, you're talking about x amount of more characters, just a lot more grandiose and and just you know crazier. Uh, you know, visual effects. and So you can just look at that dollar amount, right? It's just that that alone is just probably going to put a kibosh on something, at least in the near future. I know, by the way, if you're Zack Snyder, why would you want to get back in bed with WB after all the shit that you had to deal with yeah. before? like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, family I mean, stuff aside, um, they kind of did you over pretty good and ruined, yeah. you know, what you
1: had started just to bring you back into uh, our bad, do it. Yeah, and oh by the way, he's you know now putting out this movie on Netflix, this zombie movie. But the rumor is that he basically has signed like a first look deal with Netflix. So if he's got this cushy deal sent over Netflix, where they're basically gonna say, "Hey, Zach Snyder, do what the hell you want, we're gonna leave you alone." Again, why would you go get back in bed with WB? It just it just doesn't make sense. Now, I mean, if they dump you know backed up the dump truck full of money to him. I mean. Never say never, right? Because, yeah. you know, James James Gunn came back to Marvel and a bunch of other stuff, but it just doesn't make sense to me. So, and then there's, you know, a few other things, like I said, people can read up on kind of particulars that will make that probably not, you know, probable as well. But uh, yeah, so my heart says I want it, but the reality of it, probably not. Now, if you obviously watch the Snyder Cut, you know that. That sets up so much stuff. And, you know, the nightmare scene, it was just like the epicness that we could have had <laughs> that they just basically squandered and shit away. It's just, it's just very frustrating.
0: Yeah. Talk about that, um, that nightmare scene. I thought that was pretty awesome. I thought, one, I'm a big Joker fan. And, uh, I thought that Jared Leto Joker might have been a lot more on point because then there's a lot of, uh, a lot of people didn't like him in Suicide Squad, and, and with the tattoo face and, and all that gangster gangster scene, right? Like a lot of people didn't like that, but it felt a lot, maybe a lot more Jokerish in that nightmare scene. What do you think?
1: Well, um, <laughs> so you know, WB, it's weird because you know one of their statements at the time when they were kind of starting all this stuff. They they kind of said that they were going to be a director driven, uh, you know, kind of entertainment company. Meaning they were going to get these these guys that, like we said before, had this vision, and you know they they would were, were offer you know looks at their characters through the lenses of those directors. Right? Sounds good, but as you probably read about, almost every movie that they put out. The suits and the bean counters have, you know, interfered yeah. in some way, form or fashion. And it's funny that you mentioned the Joker because you know David Ayer, the director for Suicide Squad, that was another famously troubled, you know, production. And there were just rumors of all the shenanigans that happened on that set. And, and there was about probably thirty minutes worth of Joker material that they cut out of the movie. Yeah, and that's why uh, one of the things that Jared Leto was kind of pissed that they, you know, were making another "quote unquote" Joker movie, because his Joker never really got the full treatment that he actually, you know, put out there and portrayed. So we got kind of like a bastardized version of his character, and there was supposedly like motivation for why he looked how he did and why he acted how he did. So, and again, if you watch the, you know, Suicide Squad, you can kind of see like the the skeleton of what they were somewhat going for but none of it really got filled out much the way a lot of the characters in Justice League were so again that's DC just being stupid so uh, you know back to the nightmare scene you know when I watch these comic book movies like I said before I kind of you know have a deep history with this stuff so I could probably tear all these movies apart in two seconds right like oh this isn't exactly like the comic book or whatever but you know, all these movies have to can't just be catered to the hardcore comic book audience because what they said is that you know the, the hard hardcore comic book guys really only account for like 20 percent of the general audience of these movies, right? So there has to be something for the layperson person to you know kind of catch into, and they kind of you know make some adjustments, which you know we get. Just don't piss off the the core guys using what we say, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at the nightmare scene. They they kind of pulled it from actually their animated movies, which DC animated just destroys Marvel animated just there's not even a comparison. Yeah, and truthfully, if you look at their uh, Justice League War, all the way through uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, that little series of movies is is what they should have copied really, and that's much better than anything they put out in uh the theaters but anyway so uh, straight out of that world so if you watch the movie you know that okay so steppenwolf who's basically the uncle in the comic books of dark side he got sent to earth on a mission because you know the mother box was reactivated blah, blah blah next thing you know they went and fought steppenwolf and defeated him and then in the snyder cut they actually look at dark side and dark side look hey we we need to go do it the old way like you know if you watch the movie in the beginning scene that's what he means by the old way like a a full-out invasion of earth yeah and uh so bruce has been connected to not necessarily the mother box but he's been touched right by basically like the flash if you watch throughout the movie that that little scene where barry breaks through and tells him it's all her or whatever um once you kind of get touched by that that kind of stays with you almost kind of how iron man and thanos were kind of linked through these visions right so again that nightmare scene shows like a post invasion earth where basically the heroes lost. And that's why you see that ragtag team of people. You're like, well, hey, there's there's a villain. There's two villains on the team, and, you know, the characters look different. That's because yeah. they went through a war, right? And they lost. Like, you know, Mira said, like, Aquaman was killed, and it was all bad. Wonder Woman, you know, she was killed. And, uh, so they're kind of like the last remnants of any kind of resistance to Darkseid. And as you see, Superman flipped. And, uh, Excuse me. So if you uh notice throughout the movie they talk about the anti life equation, right? Yeah. So the anti life equation is basically what they're saying that uh free will is the definition of life, right? To be able to do what you want to do and all this other stuff. So if you take away someone's free will, you take away their life thus the anti-life so basically it's an equation Ooh, okay. that that's takes that t- yeah that takes away the free will of people so that's why dark side wants it because if he has this equation he can just use it to just take over people without any resistance because they don't have any free will right so that's why it's so important so basically he used the anti-life equation on superman and superman is basically like his top dog and does his bidding so okay as you know on earth superman is a beast so he went through and just went ham on everybody and uh that little vision you know tells to tell bruce that you know it's not over obviously he knows it's not over but kind of what could happen if they lose basically the stakes of what's happening so it was uh it was effective and as you know that's that's a classic cliffhanger that would have set up the next justice league movie. So the rumors are that justice league two would have just been the whole, would have been a movie based in that nightmare world, just showing them trying to survive and doing all this other stuff. And, uh, it just would have been awesome. So, so yeah, just, we could have had that.
0: (laughs) What did you think about, um, well, what going back to the Joker part of it and that interaction with Batman what did you think of that like is that the same joker from suicide squad or are we talking alternate timelines already and and you know because i like i said i thought it was great that exchange between the two that dialogue and the the subliminals if you and if you know comics it it wasn't so subliminal you know him calling out you know the death of batman's parents the the boy wondered to do a man's job like all of that what'd you think
1: uh, well, to me, they were, that was the same Joker from Suicide Squad because, you know, Batman appeared in Suicide Squad. So, uh, okay. I, I thought they were all same continuity and, you know, I liked it because kind of like Injustice, the video game, uh, series, you know, it the Joker, the Joker is an agent of chaos, mm-hmm. right? Meaning. The Joker doesn't do what the Joker does. Just to, to be a mustache twirling villain or to go rob a bank. It's just he's chaos incarnate. So, you know, he's in the comics. He's found out who Batman, you know, really is. He knows he's Bruce Wayne. He's had the opportunity to kill Batman, but he's so crazy that like Batman is. It's almost like he's obsessed with Batman. Like Batman needs to exist so he can be his flow. It's just this weird, almost like relationship. It's, it's just, it's weird. So the interplay between those two characters to me was consistent with, with how things, you know, have gone and have been referenced in different, you know, different media. And, you know, the fact that he said that Harley Quinn died in his arms is consistent with basically in the comic books, Harley Quinn being kind of becoming an anti-hero and actually working with Batman. So, you know, she says, you know, she died in his arms and requesting him to kill the Joker. That's consistent, again, with her character in the comic books. So to me, it made sense.
0: Let, let's, um, is Batman a punk? <laughs> Look, cause, you know, a lot of people hype Batman. <laughs> the motherfucker is just rich. Like, he ain't even, like, like not even Tony Stark, where he's, like, invented an awesome suit he like it's a rubber suit and i mean yeah they, he's always changing it and and he has his cool utility belt and i liked him as a kid i ain't gonna lie but like really comparable to the rest of the justice league members
1: well i mean again the dc like the justice league right usually has like if you say the main justice league you're usually talking about the big guns in the Justice League. I mean, excuse me, in the DC universe. And the big difference between DC and, uh, we'll say, the Justice League and the Avengers is kind of like, the DC characters are almost gods, basically. They're almost, like I said, they're mythical. Yeah. Right? And even though some people try to draw comparisons between Batman and Captain America, like, like, people know Captain America, they know he's Steve Rogers, right? He's yeah. he's a gr- he's a superhero. He's done a lot of great things and all that good stuff. But like he's friendly, Captain America. He's not gonna fight dirty or any of that stuff, right? Batman, even though he technically doesn't have superpowers, the thing with Batman is that he's supposed to be the best of us and the embodiment of of human potential. And he lives kind of like in this in this world of folklore and fable because outside of the superhero community and the people that actually know him, you know the his street uh, street level opponents they don't know who the hell this guy is. He just kind of shows up to them. He just shows right. up and just knows stuff, and you can't beat him because he's he, you know his he fights better than everybody and he has all these gadgets and stuff. So he's almost literally like folklore like a living legend almost and if you look at uh, the animated uh, DC uh, world Justice League War really you know exemplifies that better than almost anything else I've seen because the interaction between Batman and Green Lantern just sums it all up you gotta remember Green Lantern is basically a space cop mm-hmm. so he's been to different planets seen aliens all this other stuff but even he was like, "Well, shit, you're Batman. You're, you're for real. Like, you really exist." <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Again, this dude, this dude talks to aliens. Yeah. Like, he doesn't know what the hell's going on with Batman. So now, as far as like abilities goes, you have to understand that if you know that you can't compete with somebody in a certain way, then you know you have to compensate in other ways right so if you can't beat superman by throwing punches you've got to be better than him and tougher than him in in another way or find like a a way to even the playing field so that's that's the thing about batman is that his weakness is almost his strength so you combine that with his intelligence, like in the comic books at least batman is I think, you know, the comic books, you know, there's a ranking for everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, at different times, Batman has been top five smartest people in the world and top five best fighters, if not the best fighter, or, you know, athletes and stuff, you know, obviously below superhuman levels. So, right. don't get it twisted. You put all that stuff together, Batman's a beast. Plus, you know, if he has time to prepare for somebody, that's the thing <laughs> I that's was waiting set. for that. I was going you know, <laughs> to... They say, you know, when we, when, when, like the nerd battles happen, like, oh, well, Batman versus whoever. yeah well, how much prep yeah. time does he have? Exactly. So- yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's funny. I would say discount Batman at your peril, but he's never been my favorite character by far. So, okay.
0: so who is your favorite character, DC wise?
1: uh Man, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, if we say Barbara, I can name that off in like two seconds. But uh, DC, uh...
0: let's stick it with Justice League then, because okay. I know I know you're 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 tracking through a lot of comics right now, and yeah, we would have been here for yeah, for a while. A lot of dead air, air space.
1: 12 <laughs> hour podcast. Yeah. So uh, I'd say Wonder Woman. Yeah, because uh, the thing with Wonder Woman. So DC has their trinity, right? Their trinity is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. And, you know, again, without going through a whole bunch of comic book stuff, basically everything revolves around those three somehow. Or some version of them. Uh, So even though technically Superman is the most powerful, just raw power, he's a pussy. Uh, It is what it is. Batman Batman is okay, but he'll never cross that line. Like, you'll think, you're like, well, why does Batman even let Joker live? Like, what's the point of this? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got his moral code, and he won't break that for anybody, right? So that's just his deal. Wonder Woman, you know, portrayed in the movies, or I should say, in her solo movies, is all about love and compassion, and let's hug it out, and all this other stuff. But in the comic books, one of them will fucking kill you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, like if you've seen one of them in 84, which was terrible. Yeah. You know, the, the ending to that with her and Max Lord is completely different than how it was in the comic books. Like in the comic books, she snapped his neck, like on live TV. Like she, she was like, we're not going to, yeah, we're not going to deal with this. Good night. So yeah, that was a problem for everybody. And, uh, you know, she carries a sword for a reason. Like she murks people. Yeah,
0: and, you know, I She's thought I th- I'm sorry. Okay. I thought that was awesome when she chopped off. Spoiler alert: it's Steppenwolf's head. Yeah, you oh, know, yeah, in the definitely. Snyder cut, like that was such a better ending. Like the violence, like that. It just seems that DC needs the adult violence in their movies because it makes it feel not just different from the other thing. I think I think we want different, but it just makes it feel like yeah, th- these are those characters. They get
1: down. Well, kind of like with the whole complaint of, uh, you know, should movies be R rated or should they be PG thirteen? Mm-hmm. It it needs to be authentic to the character. Like I don't need, uh, I don't need Shazam to be X rated or R rated. I mean, that's not the character. Doesn't, I mean, doesn't do anything for the character. Right. But you have to understand, Wonder Woman comes from a society. Of warriors yeah who train to kill things all the time she carries a sword people that carry swords <laughs> tend to tend to kill tend to kill people people that carry a lot of guns tend to kill people yeah so duh this is the ultimate threat hey and oh by the way in movie he teased her about killing all her sisters. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you remember that. Yeah. Yep. So not only, not only does she normally, you know, take out people who need to be taken out. This dude murked her sister's mother and all this other stuff. And that was going to be another thing we were supposed to get from Wonder Woman coming out of this movie. If you look at the, the epilogue where she's standing there looking over the water with the arrow, he's supposed to killed all the Amazons. So they were supposed to get into all that. So, I don't know what's going to happen with Wonder Woman in the future, but uh, so I think she was pretty justified in chopping his head off. Oh. So yeah, she she definitely is the most badass out of the three of them.
0: How so. do you feel about um like the Flash? I thought it was pretty cool how how they're trying to set up that that multiverse. And if you know correct me if I'm wrong, you you're a lot more familiar. But the Flash was the first Comic book character in all comics to start creating a multiverse, right?
1: Well, uh, I mean, eh. okay. Let's so let's back the train up a little bit. All right, so in DC, right? You know, like I said before, DC comics and the superheroes are older than the Marvel superheroes. So in the comic book world, we have uh, what we call eras or ages. So the golden age is basically from like the beginning. So, you know, mid to late thirties to, I want to say like the fifties ish, ish sixties, fifties ish around there. Then the silver age is from like the sixties, fifties till maybe the eighties or whatever. Then you have current era. Some people call it the, the bronze age and call it now the current era, but whatever. So, You know, originally, a lot of the DC characters, you know, like, you know, Aquaman came out late 30s, I think 1940, Superman was like 39, Batman, all this other stuff. So for the longest time, those characters existed, you know, they went on adventures and did all their stuff. Then, once the Silver Age kind of hit, there was a kind of a backlash against comic books which is crazy to look at it now, but, uh, you know, Batman, you know, had Robin as his sidekick, and the thing was kind of to have a sidekick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, <laughs> for some unknown reason, you know, uh, some politicians and uh, basically a bunch of angry moms went at the comic book, saying that, that they were promoting a homosexual lifestyle, and it was just this <laughs> whole silliness. <right>? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it, it was crazy. So, basically you know the comics you know companies they they created the comics code and it was just a lot of shenanigans and uh, so basically the dc went away from like superheroes then they got into like romance, romance comic books uh, westerns science fiction a bunch of stuff right and then uh, they finally brought the superheroes back but they revamped a lot of their superheroes that's why when you look at Like, let's say the Flash. You look at the early Flash stuff, it was not Barry Allen, it was Jay Garrick, and they look completely different. You know, the Green Lantern turned into Hal Jordan, and he was like a space cop, where the original, uh, you know, Green Lantern, Alan Scott, was more like a mystical kind of a dude or whatever. So DC had to reconcile those two like, hey, dude, we've got like 20, 30 years of history over here but we want to put out these new characters what do we do so let's just say they're in different universes okay. so kind of like you said the flash is the one where they introduced the concept of the multiverse and you know different continuities and then so after that happened they kind of you know existed you know they met in like some big event and then they went their own separate ways and then you start getting into the issue with you know if these characters have been around for so long, aren't they going to have children? Aren't they going to age? And so then that led into, you know, Crisis on Infinite Earths in 85, which tried to reconcile DC's real sloppy continuity and all this other stuff, and that kind of started the tradition of the uh, like the annual crisis, right, which, you know, Marvel kind of copied, and now that's kind of a thing that's, that's cooked into, you know, mainstream comics.
0: Let's go back to a question I asked and you didn't answer it. No, James, that? you're in control. You have yeah. the magic wand. Yeah. You you can't change what has already happened, but you have director directive control of what's to come. What's the next movie you're making for DC? And what's the next movie? Like in in some detail, and then what's your end goal for like the next five movies? You're you're the now you're now Zack Snyder. You get to do it. What are you doing?
1: Well Number one, that would be a great world. (laughs) (laughs) Number two, uh, so I wouldn't want to be Zack Snyder. I'd like to be uh, Walter Hamada, basically the head of uh, DC media right now. So what I would do is I would go big Zack Snyder to come back, give him carte blanche to, hey, finish your Snyderverse and let Zack Snyder become the Kevin Feige of DC. And what that means is basically let him have creative control where I'm sure he wants to go do other projects, but let him, you know, not necessarily direct every movie, but just provide that overall, that overarching vision. Right. So you could get and tap, you know, different directors to execute the movies, but they have to fit like Feige does make them kind of fit within the, that overarching vision. So what I would do is I'd have him finish off his, uh, Justice League story I don't know because even with the Snyder Cut he put in elements from like the third movie into that which he wouldn't have gotten to until they were like released chronologically if he had been given the initial chance so let him figure out his you know ending to the Justice League so out of the Justice League we could have spun out the Atom and that uh, Adam is uh, if you remember the scientist guy that worked with Cyborg's dad yep. Ryan Choi right and you know DC wants to catch up money wise to Marvel so if you have Ryan Choi who's a Chinese American in the comic books the thought was that the movie was going to be based in China and you know to get that sweet sweet China money kind of have a Asian centric character and back Story and all this other stuff because you know DC already has kind of put out like a China verse, like there's a Chinese super man, like a super like hyphen man, and they're Wonder Woman, it's the whole thing. So I would have gone continue with that. You know, they could have actually beat you know Marvel to uh, the Asian representation if they would have followed his plan because you know Marvel has Shang-Chi coming out, but they actually. Well, Zack Snyder, since they had that idea to get to that before them. So that would have been a whole thing. You uh, you know, could have gotten to the Green Lanterns, even though there's an HBO Max series supposedly coming out. I mean, HBO puts out really good series, so I'm yeah. hopeful on that, but yeah. uh, we could have had a movie, right, uh, and redeemed the Green Lanterns. <laughs> uh, you know, if they introduce Martian Manhunter, I would have liked to have seen a TV series pop out of that because he's got a crazy backstory. Uh you could have, you know, through Wonder Woman, you know, she exists in a world of magic and like mysticism. So through her, you could have introduced the Justice League Dark and then gone that whole route and brought mystical stuff like Constantine and Maybe tied into uh, Shazam, and you know Shazam's already tied into Black Adam, so we already know the mystical worlds out there. So that could have come up. Uh, you know, they would have gone with the solo movies for all the characters. So you would have had the Flash movie. You could have had Flashpoint. You know, the audience would have already been primed to talk about you know different you know multiverses and continuities. So could have done Flashpoint. Uh, you know, Cyborg could have got his movie. He's like the god of technology, basically. Uh, Obviously, we got the Aquaman movie. And oh, you know, the Batman movie that was supposed to happen with Batman versus Deathstroke. You know, the rumors is that in that movie, they were going to introduce Batgirl. And then the whole rest of the Bat family and explain which uh, partner of Batman was killed by the Joker. So they were going to get into all that. Um, Do a, you know... A, a proper sequel to Man of Steel. I mean just it just would have started their universe It would just be infinite and see, I have a lot of love for the you know the the B and C list characters that the average person doesn't know that are really cool that you know need some spotlight because you know, as much as people love Batman, I mean we've had eighty five different Batman movies already I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, so
0: so yeah. So, so you, yeah, Zack Snyder just needs to come back because that was a good fucking movie. What? Yeah, um, he, go ahead.
1: Well, you know, again, my heart says, you know, I want him to come back, but you know the uh, the asshole in me wants me to have him tell him to kiss his ass, <laughs> and the and the ultimate fu would be for him to go to Marvel, Ooh. and do really well over there. And just look back at DC and say, you know, suck it. So that's what I really want to happen now, realistically. So
0: you bringing up Marvel, it will lead to my last question. Yeah. Do you think DC is ever going to catch Marvel? <laughs>
1: uh I mean, uh, okay, like, I think you need. I think you need to break that question out. In, in a couple of different ways. First, box office-wise, I think it's possible. I mean, they've got the characters to do it. I mean, if they, you know, if the suits and the bean counters get out of the way of the uh, the creatives and kind of let them execute the vision they were hired for, then maybe. As far as popularity, I mean, I guess I would tie into box office. Uh, they have talented actors you know that people like the characters are good. Um, let, let, I just think I, I just don't I just don't think there's a lot of goodwill with DC, right? So they put out the Snyder Cut, people like it, but even after seeing that movie, do you really like? It's like, do you really trust them?
0: Right. So, so when they say, so, oh, we
1: we've, we've got Black Adam coming. Do you really trust it?
0: Yeah. I so when when I get okay, because I, I, it was a very broad question, I understand. So and and you could break it down different ways. So. I'll break it down the way that I think I relate to. Do you ever see lines forming up all day long to go watch a DC movie like Marvel? I will show up three hours before my showtime and sit there on the fucking concrete outside the movie theater, right? To be the first one in line when when there's no reserve seating to get the best seat in the house. Three hours. I've done it. I've done it for Star Wars. I've never done that shit for a DC movie, and I really don't see myself doing it. And in that aspect, where is that popularity, it's the the hype, it's the, oh, my God, we have to see this tonight, opening night, whatever it takes. Is DC ever well, going to be there again or ever? I don't know if they ever were.
1: I don't know because, you know, again, the MCU didn't start off that way, right? It, it took, like, years for them to build that equity with the audience yeah to get to that point so it seems like for every step forward that dc makes they take two steps back right so we put out the snyder cut people liked it okay it's good da, 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 da. well oh now they say they're not going to continue the snyder and they want to go do this so what's let's look at their upcoming slate black adam which i mean i i guess the rock is popular i guess but I mean, again, do you really trust it? Do yeah. you really? I don't. No, no, so no. I don't no. think anybody's standing in line for that. So, the, you know, Black Adam would have to be great. Wonder Woman 84 was a dud. Yeah. That Birds of Prey movie was just terrible. Mm-hmm. So then you say the Suicide Squad, is that going to be great? Do you trust it? Really? I mean, no. I don't know. I mean, James Gunn has a little pull, but do you really? I mean, I don't know. No, no one's standing in line for that. The Batman with uh, our bats? Eh, do you trust it? I don't know.
0: Oh, with uh, I mean, with Pattinson?
1: Yeah, like I mean, no one's gonna be standing in line for that. I mean, of course, yeah. it'll probably be popular. It I guess, looks but...
0: good. It looks promising, but again, like promising, but do you, but do you really this trust? Time? It? Yeah, no, promising at this time isn't doesn't say a lot.
1: So those are the next three movies that we're for sure are actually happening. So, all three of those would have to be great to build up anticipation and hype for following movies. And I don't think they're doing a Justice League type or size movie anytime soon. So, I mean, how, how do they build up that equity with the audience? How do they? I don't know. I mean, because, you know, DC also likes to announce a bunch of shit and then never follow through with it. Because I can give you like 10 things that they're supposedly, quote unquote, working on and looking at. But will they ever see the light of day? I mean, it's taken Black Adam like six years to actually start filming from when it was actually announced that The Rock was going to play Black Adam. So, I mean, The Flash still isn't out. And that's been like five years. So, yeah. you know, take that however you like. Yeah, I don't think they will. So long, uh, so long, so long, it's long answer short, no.
0: Yeah, I don't think so. You know, because Marvel, when they, when Disney drops their Marvel Day or this or that, and they're at Comic-Con or, or D23 Day in the fall or whatever, they say, here's phase four, and here are the ten movies coming out, and the shit happens. And we all wait, and we all know it's connected, and we're standing out in line waiting for it because we know this one leads to the next one, and the next leads to the one after. And like you said, DC has burned burned fans so many times, and there's no continuity between movies, which I think is a huge expectation now when you're looking at a, a um, universe, right? A connected universe, um, and and I think we're done with it. We'll keep watching in hopes, but I don't. I think there's little to uh, to invest in that, and be like, oh yeah, I'm so excited. It's just kind of like, okay, cool. Whenever it comes out.
1: Whoa well kind of like you said man I, people will still go see them but i think it's going to be diminishing returns mm-hmm. so again the 800th batman movie okay i mean people are gonna go let's just even say it's great i, I mean it's batman dude like you've got a thousand other characters like come on what are, what are we doing here yeah so yeah I, I, I don't know man their whole thing now is like there's no limits we're we're not bound by, you know, continuity. We can do whatever we want. Well, show me, dude. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right. We'll wrap it up there, James. Hey, thanks for stopping by the studio and, and doing this, uh, the Zoom studio we're on today and uh, diving oh, sure. into that. And um, you know what? Let, let's do this again sometime soon. And oh, man, um,
1: man, we, we, we need to do a part three, four, five, and 10. Cause you know, I can talk about this stuff all day long. Yeah, for
0: sure. And this is something, you know, hopefully the, the crowd receives it well. Um, You know, next time we talked about a lot of DC, but, uh, you know, I'm a huge X Men fan. Grew up on the 90s cartoon every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And I know you're a huge X Men. That's your jam. Let me talk about it.
1: That's my jam. That's
0: my jam. (laughs) So, you know, hopefully, you know, if the crowd likes this and everything, and even if they don't, you know, we'll continue to do this and just uh, mix it up on the pod and have you as a, a regular contributor. I'd appreciate it.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Thanks, bro. Later. All right. For more information on how you can support the podcast, please visit anchor.fm backslash podcast The information, views, and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely of Joshua Moore and the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent the DOD, DON, or those of the respected institutions or organizations. Thanks for joining us.